Today, we have a special crossover episode with Trey Matthews of Locked On New Jersey Devils as we talk Islanders, Devils, the offseason, and preview the season coming up. Some interesting perspectives on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Your Locked On Islanders, your daily podcast on the New York Islanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. And also, what is up, New York? Welcome back to the New York Islanders podcast. I'm Trey Matthews, the host of Locked On Devils, and I am joined alongside one of my good colleagues. It is Gil Martin, the host of Locked On Islanders. Now, Gil, I've collaborated with you a lot in the past before on Locked On NHL. However, I think this is the first time ever that we're collaborating one-on-one and discussing Devils and Islanders on both of our respective uh, shows platforms. So first and foremost, how you doing this evening? I am good, and uh, it's good to do this. I can't believe we haven't gotten around to doing this yet on an Islanders-Devils basis. Maybe we have, but I've been here for over three years, and I've done over 700 episodes, so they all kind of blend together. But <laughs> maybe, maybe I, I, I don't really know. But off the top of my head, I, I can't recall. So, Gil, in today's episode, similar to what I've done on my show just a few episodes ago, we're going to just preview the New York Islanders and also the New Jersey Devils, see how both of our teams stack up head-to-head because other than the Hurricanes, I would say that the Islanders gave the Devils – some big trouble in the Metropolitan Division because the Devils finished off the season one and two against the Islanders. They played them three times. I uh, Even though the Devils lost uh, the December 9th game, that still holds a special place in my heart because that was the first game I got credentialed for. So even though, once again, even though the Devils came out on the losing end, I still, I still enjoyed uh, covering that game and uh, it always holds a special place. But anyway, Devils went one and two against the Islanders this season. Islanders, Got to the playoffs, but didn't really go all that far. Met the Carolina Hurricanes, and then in the very next round, the Hurricanes beat the Devils in five. So Hurricanes were on a mission. They are the team to beat in the Metro. I think you and I can both agree on that. But yeah. to start off, paint a picture for the New York Islanders' this season. Like, what went right? What went wrong? How did you guys get to the playoffs? How do you think uh, you fared in the playoffs? And basically just paint a picture for anyone who – doesn't follow the Islanders religiously. Well, uh, I, I think, you know, what the Islanders did well was goaltending. First and foremost, Ilya Sorokin ended up finishing second in the Vesna voting last year, and he really deserved it. Uh, he keeps this team in a lot of games that they probably don't deserve to be in. And as a result, uh, you know, they can escape with some two to one and three to two victories, even though they're outshot or outplayed for long stretches of time. Injuries were a big part of the Islanders issues last year. They lost Adam Pellick, one of their top two defensemen for 20 plus games. And uh, in mid-February, they lost Matthew Barzal for the rest of the regular season. He came back in the playoffs, but Obviously, after missing six weeks, uh, he wasn't at 100%, and that definitely hurt the team. I think that the power play was a huge problem for the Islanders. They were 30th in the league and just did not seem to have uh, good 
coaching and organization on the power play. And just, I think the team's overall lack of scoring depth made the power play even more challenging. So, you know, I, I think the goaltending and just being able to win those low scoring games were important. The penalty kill was a plus for the Islanders last year. And, you know, when they were healthy, defense was a plus. They were fifth in the league in goals against. But there was an issue at times of trying to do the transition where you get the puck in your own zone and start the attack. Too many turnovers, too many issues with that transition game at times where you would end up spending three, four, five minutes in your own zone and relying on your goaltender to bail you out. So you had some goal scoring from Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, Zach Parise, who will not be with the team this year. They just announced that uh, on Tuesday. And you had some great goaltending and overall pretty good team defense. But I think a lack of consistency, poor power play, and a disappointing performance by Bo Horvat after that trade on January 31st, offensively at least. He was not as productive as the team would have preferred those were some of the things that the Islanders sort of just barely, you know, made the playoffs on the last day of the year. But it's interesting because early in the season, the Islanders tried to be more offensive minded. But after Barzal got hurt, they sort of went back to the Barry Trotz defense first, keep it simple style. And that's when they went on a nice little winning streak, even without Barzal and were able to get into the playoffs. So I know as the past few years have progressed, some former Devils players like Andy Green have retired. But I always I always say that Lou Lamorello loves his Devils because you mentioned Zach Parise. Kyle Palmieri is also uh, still on the team. So uh, I, I the one thing I could say about the Islanders is that at least they put up a better fight in round one against the Hurricanes compared to the Devils because uh, the Islanders lost to the Hurricanes in six. Devils lost to the Hurricanes in five. So was there ever a point in the season where you just doubted the Islanders and just said, this team is not playoff caliber because it was coming down to the wire towards the end between the Islanders and the Penguins. And it was just a matter of like, who's going to win out the last few few games. I thought it was going to go to the Penguins, but obviously uh, the Islanders uh, prevailed. But I just want to hear your thoughts because you mentioned Bo Horvat and obviously uh, he was actually on the devil's radar in case a, the deal with Timo Meyer fell through and Tom Fitzgerald had to go to a backup, whatever the case might be. So I guess you could sort of say that the Islanders were buying at the trade deadline, hoping yes. to make that playoff push. But before we talk about playoff push, once again, was there ever a point where you just doubted the Islanders or it was just like, mm, this team's not going anywhere? I think when Matthew Barzal got hurt, that was the point where you sort of doubted it because he's their most dynamic skater and their their best setup guy uh, among the forwards. And he was supposed to be the player who helped Bo Horvat and got him the puck to score the goals that you were hoping Horvat was going to score. And knowing that he was out, first they said month to month, then they said, you know, week to week, and it ended up being the rest of the regular season. That's when I sort of had my doubts as to whether there was just enough offense on this team to, to make that playoff push. And yet by playing a more conservative style and better defense, 
that's how they ended up getting to the playoffs. So when when looking at uh, ahead for the Islanders, they're not the oldest team in the NHL, but they're up there just a little bit, according to elite prospects. If we were to like look at the standings in terms of experience, the Islanders are at number nine. Then when looking at average age, the Islanders are number 12. So does the age concern you a bit for the Islanders? Because one of the X factors I have for the Pittsburgh Penguins is that they're not one of the oldest teams in the NHL. They are the oldest team in the NHL and the Capitals are right behind them in that category. So it's one of the X factors I had going into the season for the Islanders, which was would age be sort of a concern for them? It is a bit of a concern uh, in two respects. Number one, most of the older players are forwards. I mean, you have the entire identity line, Casey Sezikis, Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck. All of them are in their 30s. Kyle Palmieri is 30-plus. J.G. Pajot is 30-plus. Brock Nelson, Anders Lee. All of these guys are on the quote-unquote wrong side of 30. And there is a, a lack of top regarded prospects to fill in for those guys when and if they start slowing down. So I think, you know, Lou Lamorello has traded away the team's last four first round draft choices. He traded away Atu Ratu, who was considered the number one prospect in the Bo Horvat deal. And, you know, uh, when locked on NHL prospects was looking at all 32 teams prospect pools, the Islanders were dead last. And, you know, that I don't think any other publication out there had them rank higher than 27th or 28th. So that's the concern that you have a lot of age, mostly up front on the forward line. And you know what it is about injur- injuries. Older players are more prone to them and they take longer to recover from them. So avoiding injuries because there are not a lot of highly regarded prospects to fill in if injuries hit, that is a little bit of a concern for the New York Islanders in my mind. All right, there's still more in store, but before we continue, I want to tell you guys about Jace Medical. It is a new sponsor here at Locked On. So the Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form And in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor-created, doctor-recommended. So don't get unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy, medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. So... The thing about Jace Medical is that it is simple. You go online, fill out the form like I just mentioned, and then you get the prescription, life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case gives you the peace of mind so that way you're not just hoping that something is going to go well in case of an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. So save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Case Medical plus an additional $20 off by using the code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, Gil. So let's talk about the offseason for the Islanders this year. Now, the thing about the Islanders is that uh, it took them a while to 
make a move last year's offseason. We know what happened. But now, what, 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 just fill me in. Like, what, what, what's uh, Lou doing up in the front office again? What's, like, the godfather of NHL trying to <laughs> con- concoct? Well, the main thing that Lou did was re-sign his own potential free agents. So you bring back Scott Mayfield, who was either a second or third pair defenseman, signed him to a seven-year deal. Pierre Engvall, middle six forward, signed him to a seven-year extension. Uh, Semyon Varlamov, backup goalie signed him to a four-year extension even though he was already 35 years old the big move that was made was to re-sign uh Ilya Sorokin to an eight-year extension that will not start this year but next year so you lock up your franchise goalie for the next nine years and it wasn't you know there were still some goalies who were getting paid more than Sorokin the problem is that other than Julian Gauthier, the former first-round pick of the Rangers, uh, who was on their fourth line last year, there really wasn't a lot of new blood being brought in. They also re-signed Hudson Fashing, who came midseason and gave them third-line minutes and, and played very well. But again, you're bringing back the guys you already had. You're not helping the offense. Uh, you're not helping the power play. And you're not getting a puck-moving defenseman, with which even Lou Lamorello admitted is something he would have liked to have added. He said that last year. He said that, you know, 2022-2023. Said it again heading into this offseason. But still, you know, two offseasons, two regular seasons, hasn't pulled the trigger on a deal. So they're bringing back the same crew, but not a lot of additions on this team. Okay, so before we preview Islanders and Devils, let me ask you this. So I'd say like the favorites in the Metro are the Hurricanes, the Devils, and the Rangers. However, as we saw this past season, the middle part of the Metro is up for grabs because I spoke with uh, Brian Hedger, who uh, uh, covers the Columbus Blue Jackets for Columbus Dispatch, and he said one of the X factors for the Uh, Blue Jackets going into the new year is basically injury. Like, can they stay healthy? Similar to what you alluded to for the Islanders, because Johnny Goodrow, Boone Jenner, Patrick Laine, they drafted Adam Fantilli, which everyone is excited about in Columbus, Damon Severson, Ivan Provorov, you name it. The, The Blue Jackets are projected to be a little bit better. I don't think people have high expectations for the Philadelphia Flyers, respectfully. So, The thing is, is like that middle part in the Metro is up for grabs. Do you think the Islanders can maintain their position and still overcome the Pittsburgh Penguins? Because one of the issues I have for the Penguins is that they're the oldest team in the NHL and they didn't exactly fix their problems, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, they're getting older. So do you think the Islanders can still hold their ground against Pittsburgh? I think they can. It it will require the Islanders to stay relatively healthy. But I think the key is this. The Islanders have, you know, Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov. It's one of the better goaltending duos in the league right now. They can stay in most games that they play. I mean, you would figure 85, 90% of the time if, if Sorokin is starting and you can score three goals, 
you know, you're in that game. If you don't, even if you don't win it, you have a good chance of getting at least a point. So I think this team is steady. I think this team has a certain amount of chemistry. They know each other. The cast has more or less remained the same. You have uh, hopefully Matthew Barzal healthy for a whole year. Adam Pellick healthy. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom is a young player, one of the few young forwards on this team who they think has 20, 25 goal potential, but is yet to stay healthy or prove that he could do it over a full NHL season. If he can take a step forward, that could help your offense and replace uh, the goals you're losing from Zach Parise's uh, not retirement yet, but he's not going to start the season with the team. Um, if they stay healthy and Bo Horvat is more comfortable with his teammates and his family is with him now. Yeah. I think there is some room for improvement on this team. And I think the defense and the goaltending keeps them in most games. So I, I think that when you look at Pittsburgh and Washington and Columbus, and, and I would even include the Rangers possibly in that equation, battling for third, fourth, fifth place in this division. I think the Islanders will be there barring any major injuries. I mean, if Sorokin gets hurt, all bets are off, but I think they'll be there till the end. And it's just a question of whether they are, you know, a wild card team, a third place team or out of the playoffs, but I think it'll be close the whole way. Also factor in uh, the Washington Capitals, but I think at this point, it's just going to be the Alexander Ovechkin show to see like what, what other milestones could he potentially break? Because the, the fact of the matter is the Capitals aren't the, Stanley Cup team they were uh, a few years ago. Now, let's talk about Islanders and Devils. So, like we said at the beginning of this recording, when the Devils played against the Islanders, the Islanders were uh, victorious in two of the three matchups. So, the first time the Devils and Islanders played one another was October 20th, and the Islanders came out victorious, or the Devils, excuse me, came out victorious 4-1. to one. Then December 9th, the Islanders came out victorious 6-4. to four. And then the final time these two teams played one another was March 27th, in which the Islanders won again 5-1. to one. And I remember that game. That one stung the most because it was just uh, people were a little concerned for the Devils, the fact that they were losing to the Islanders in that sort of manner. But before I give my opinion on the Islanders, I want to get your opinions on the Devils because I'm sure you've talked about it on – locked on NHL before. So what are your thoughts on the Devils in the Metro? I think the Devils will be right there with the Hurricanes battling for first place in this division and maybe even home ice in the Eastern Conference. I think this team is young. They have excellent team speed. They have more depth than they've had in recent years. I, I think the blue line is is very, very solid. And if the goaltending holds up, and I think it should because they have, uh, you know, a lot of possibilities there, I, I, I think the Devils are a team that is on the way up. And, you know, they should be real contenders, in my mind, in the Metropolitan Division and in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, so when I recall some of those games against the Islanders, I'd say that the Devils got outwitted in a sense. So the first game that the Devils played against the Islanders, I remember that was Andre Palat's one of his few good games in a Devils uh, uniform because he scored twice in that game. Devils scored three unanswered goals. So uh, And that definitely uh, helped the Devils get back to form because after that game, they 
went to 500. That was sort of what the Devils needed to just get back down to earth and just calm themselves down a little bit because they dropped the first two games of the year. Then they win their next game against the Anaheim Ducks. And then they go up against the Islanders. They're back at 500 and they're back uh, basically resetting their season. And then the next two games against the uh, Islanders once more, December 9th. I remember that game because, like I said, credentialed for that game. But what I remember was that the Devils went down big early, and it seemed like it was going to be a long night for them. But the one thing that I'll give the Devils credit for is that they stuck to it. So Devils were down 4-1, to one, and basically people were writing them off, including me. I'm like, this game is over. But then Dawson Mercer scores, cuts the lead in half, but then Brock Nelson scores. It's 5-2. to two. Then the, the final period rolls around. Devils are down 6-2, to two. but Tomas Tatar was able to score uh, somewhat late in the game. Then Jack Hughes, and speaking of which, that was the game in which Hughes just went on an absolute tear in terms of playing time. I think he broke the NHL record for longest shift time or, or something like that because he was an absolute warrior out there. He, he, he just wouldn't come off. And the Devils, it seemed like if, if the game was just a little earlier, like if it wasn't so late in the game, I think the Devils would have overcame a miraculous comeback. But once again, they just got outwitted by the Islanders in terms of experience. And then the final game, March 27th, this was a game that a lot of people were concerned for. Devils lost 5-1, to one, and basically it was a story of former Devils just coming out to play. Kyle Palmieri scored twice in that game. Zach Parise, he, uh, he was able to score as well. So Devils just lost big. And if I recall, I think the um, – I think uh, Paul Mary was able to uh, cough up a couple turnovers and uh, make the Devils pay in that sort of aspect. So the one thing I could say for the Islanders, especially with the addition of Bo Horvat, is that they have the experience, and obviously experience could go a long way. They're not the oldest team, but they're not the youngest either. But in terms of the Metro, they are definitely one of the oldest teams. I think that's something that the Islanders got going for them, which is, are they Stanley Cup contenders? No, but they're still a legitimate playoff team. And I think a team, a young team like the Devils should certainly not sleep on them because the Devils are still trying to build up that experience a little bit more. And I think that's uh, certainly what Lou is trying to uh, formulate up in the, up in the uh, front office, which is just try to get a bunch of veteran players, smart hockey players that can definitely uh, try to take the organization – and maybe make a legitimate playoff run. Uh, with all due respect, I don't really have the Islanders going far in the playoffs if they do get back there. But I definitely hear you. Like Sorokin is a, is one heck of a goalie, and he does a phenomenal job. And I think that's another thing that the Devils just ran into many times this year. It's not just Sorokin, but it was a lot of other matchups. Devils seem to have run into hot goaltending at times, and uh, that and that really hurt them in the month of December and early January. At one point, I think they lost six straight games, but in terms of just, um, but when they go up against Sorokin and all of them, uh, uh, Sorokin gave the Devils a run for their money. So to wrap things up, uh, Gil, what are your expectations for the Islanders this year? Where do you think they're going to finish? Who do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the team? What's the biggest X factor for them? Curious to hear your thoughts. I, I think, like I said before, I think they're going to be in that race for one of the final playoff spots till the very last couple of games of the season. I think they can make the playoffs. I think that, you know, defense and experience will count. I think that 
the Penguins' biggest issue was goaltending. They didn't really improve in that no, area. No, no, they, they got worse. So I trust yeah. Kristen Jari to an extent, but I, I definitely, definitely do not trust the person backing him up, and that is Alex Nedeljkovic, with all due respect. With, with all due respect. So, you know, you, you have that issue, uh, and, and you mentioned age. I think the Capitals are – you know, they're still a dangerous team, but I think, like you said, they are a little bit past their prime. Uh, you know, Shesterkin gives the Rangers excellent goaltending, so that always plays in as well. Uh, and I think the Rangers have more offensive talent. But to me, you know, if the Islanders stay healthy, they should be in the fight for the playoffs. Three players who I think will really make a difference, other than Ilya Sorokin, who I think goes without saying. Number one is Noah Dobson. He's their top puck-moving defenseman. He struggled in his own zone a lot last year. If he can get his confidence back and be smarter with the puck in transition, I think his offense is good, uh, but his his defense and his transition needs to be a little bit better. The second one, uh, and, and I did mention this earlier, is Oliver Wallstrom. He's a young player, hasn't really scored more than 13, 14 goals in a season. But if he can reach his potential and be the power forward, the Islanders project him to be, get you 20 to 25 goals, that would make a big difference. And then the third thing is Bo Horvat. He doesn't have to score 40, 50 goals like he was on pace to do in Vancouver. But if he can get you 25 to 30 and, and you know, win a lot of face-offs and bring all the other intangibles that he brings – that would be enough to, to get the Islanders to a comfortable place where they can get those three, three and a half goals a night that you need to, to win games or get points because you have such a good goalie in Ilya Sorokin in between the pipes. Absolutely. And I think for the Devils, they just got to show that it wasn't a fluke. They are the real deal. Adding Tyler to Foley was definitely big. And obviously I could sit here and talk about Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Brad, Timo Meyer, all of them. But I think one of the biggest X factors for the Devils or a couple X factors is how well do they utilize their depth players? Because Nathan Bash and Michael McLeod, they played big roles on the Devils in terms of just playing physical, uh, doing the dirty work, coming up on those four checks, and also the power play for the Devils. And my audience is getting tired of me saying this, but <laughs> I, I got to say this, which is Devils, far too talented to be a mediocre power play team. So hopefully we could see a big surgeons in Dawson Mercer in that sort of category. He had a big surgeons period, but I want him to be a bigger force in terms of power play. He was up there a lot for the devils. And I think he could definitely be the engine that drives the second power play unit. Maybe Tyler Toffoli can definitely help him out in that regard. And then the goaltending is definitely going to be a big question mark, which is can be tech Vanacek and Akira Schmid uh, step up their game come playoff time. We saw Akira Schmid, Step it up big time against the the New York Rangers in round one. He was the first uh, rookie goalie for the Devils organization to start in a playoff game since Martin Brodeur in 1994. And then for Vitek Vanacek, he was the first Devil goalie since Brodeur as well to eclipse 30 plus wins. So we'll see what in in a in a regular season. So we'll see what happens. I have faith in Schmidt and also Vanacek. It's definitely going to be exciting. But uh, any closing uh, remarks, Gil? Well, I, I wanted to just quickly ask you about Luke Hughes. Where do you think he's going to be this year, and, and what do you expect from him? So it's funny. I actually did an episode on Luke uh, in, my, in, my, in one of my latest installments, and 
I said for Luke, I think he could definitely give Connor Bedard a run for his money uh, for the Calder Trophy. Now, obviously, Bedard is the favorite according to the FanDuel Sportsbook odds, but I think for Luke, here are my factors for him. Number one, he actually does have NHL experience. So we we saw him step up his game big time against the Carolina Hurricanes. He was one of the silver linings. He played excellent defense. He was good offensively. He appeared in five games, if you could combine the regular season and the playoffs, and he had four points. So he was on pace to be a point-per-game player. So let's look at one of his Wolverine teammates, Matty Beneers. Beneers, in the inaugural season for the Kraken, he appeared in 10 games and he had nine points. So maybe if uh, if Luke can follow that similar trajectory as Maddie, then maybe he can do what Maddie did, which is win the Calder. Now, uh, X factor number two, Luke has worked out his kinks. He has worked out some of the issues that uh, a lot of people had when he was first selected by the Devils. So uh, the scouting report was that he was great offensively, no ands, ifs, or buts about it, but his defense was a big question mark. So he played excellent defense, and he credited that to spending another year with the Michigan Wolverines. And three, he's going to be a huge asset on the blue line for the Devils because the scoring has to come somewhere from our blue liners not named Dougie Hamilton. With Damon Severson gone and Ryan Graves gone, that definitely uh, opens up a bit of a void for Luke to fill, especially on the left-handed side. So Severson was a right-handed defenseman. Graves was a left-handed defenseman. So Dougie Hamilton, obviously, he's going to handle the offense for Devils on the right-handed side. Now on the left-handed side, who's going to step it up? It's got to be Luke Hughes because uh, you're not going to get it from, say, like Jonas Siegenthaler or John Marino or Kevin Ball. Colin Miller is capable of doing it, but that's not going to be his go-to. So once again, scoring has to come from somewhere on the blue line not named Dougie Hamilton. And since Luke had four points in five NHL game appearances, I think he is destined to be the second leading scorer amongst defensemen for the Devils. So those are my three reasons as to why I think Luke can upset Connor Bedard and win the Calder Trophy. Well, I, I sort of picked him as an X factor for the Devils, and, and it's interesting to see your analysis because it looks like we're kind of on the same wavelength there. And I have high expectations for him. Uh, I, as a Michigan alum, I've been following him. So wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. You're a Michigan <laughs> alum? Yes, sir. <laughs> Both of my parents went to the University of Michigan. Go blue. Go blue. <laughs> I did not know that. So yeah, yeah, I did not know that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, I did it's not all know good. That. I did so not I've been know following that. his career, you know, since you know he went to Michigan, and I am I am very much looking forward to seeing what he can do this year. Yeah, me too. I think he is definitely destined for a great career. And a lot of people, they're putting this pressure on him to be the best offensive mind defenseman in Devils history. But uh, obviously ahead of him is Scott Niedermeyer. And for the time being, it is Dougie Hamilton. So we'll see what happens. But if his career is going where I think it's going, I think he is definitely going to have a bright future. And and Quinn Hughes was named a captain uh, today at the time of his recording. Uh, for the for the Vancouver Canucks, uh, and then uh, obviously we've seen Jack Hughes blossom into a uh, into a bright young star in the NHL. So I think Luke is following in the same footsteps as his brothers. So uh, Quinn, the captain over in Vancouver, and Jack, the bona fide superstar for the Devils, really excited for it. So 
Gil, uh, let's just throw in some plugs for, for both of our ends. Where can my audience find you? Well, uh, you can find Locked On Islanders wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube and now on SiriusXM on the SXM app. And uh, you could find it uh, on Twitter or X uh, at uh, Locked On Isles. And you could find me on Twitter at Ice Wars NYR VS NYI. And where can my viewers and listeners find you, Trey? You can find me on the X app, formerly uh, Twitter at Trey Matt 4 and the show's X page at Locked On Devils. And uh, you could get it wherever you get your podcast from, both available uh, listing wise and also on YouTube. All right. And like I do to close out every episode, continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day in New Jersey and also New York. I'll catch you in the next episode of Locked on Devils. Gil will catch you on the next episode of Locked on Islanders. Thanks for listening once again. All right. I want to thank Trey Matthews of Locked on Devils for doing this crossover episode. It's always a pleasure to talk a little hockey with Trey, who's uh, really on top of all things New Jersey Devils. Want to thank everyone who makes Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Every day as we will be back Friday on the show. We'll talk a little bit more about the Zach Parise decision and how this trickles down the Islanders lineup, plus any other news notes and happenings. And don't forget, on Monday, we go back to a full five-day-a-week schedule. So Monday through Friday, starting next week. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.